0: support for syncbook radio comes from listeners like you consider helping to make independent productions like syncbook radio possible by becoming a donor your generous gift helps to keep these unique voices broadcasting and exploring details about how you can help can be found at the syncbook.com donate thanks
1: at this stage i can offer nothing more than my word I hope you understand that contacting you is extremely high risk and you are willing to agree to the following precautions before I share more. This will not be a waste of your time. You ask why I picked you. I didn't. You did. The surveillance you've experienced means you've been selected. A term which will mean more to you as you learn about how the modern SIGINT system works. From now on, know that every border you cross, every purchase you make, every call you dial, every cell phone tower you pass, friend you keep, article you write, site you visit, the subject line you type, and packet you route is in the hands of a system whose research is unlimited by whose safeguards are not. Your victimization by the NSA system means that you are well aware of the threat that unrestricted secret abilities pose to or for democracies. This is a story
2: that few but you can tell. Oh, what a deadly web we weave when we practice to deceive. Who pulls whose chain? It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma and put on a flying saucer. Hello and good morning, I'm Douglas Bowles, (laughs) and you are listening to 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. You can find us online at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's 1111 Veterans Day and this is our 158th broadcast. We're excited today to get inside that enigma and look at some of the synchronicities of the JFK assassination and find out what that has to do with UFOs. <laughs>
1: Yes, indeed, and we will do so with one of the foremost scholars in the field. Good morning, Will Morgan here. Today we spend 42 minutes with Ken Thomas, parapolitical researcher, university library archivist, and showrunner for uh, Steam Shovel Press, uh, parapolitical conspiracy cyber presence and magazine. He has written books on the Enslaw affair, co-authored The Octopus with the late Jim Keith, and on Fred Chrisman and the Maury Island incident as well. Thomas has authored over a dozen books on various conspiracy topics and calls his research interest parapolitics, uh, the study of conspiracies of all colors, from alien abductions and the Illuminati to John F. Kennedy assassination and the September 11, 2001 attacks. The New Yorker called his work on the cutting age of conspiracy. His name has become a proverb for conspiracy theorists enough so that a baseball almanac actually described the sport as involving enough fishy behavior to keep Ken Thomas swarming for years. More information about his work can be found on his website, steamshovelpress.com. We are honored to be talking to you this morning. How are you, sir?
3: Well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm flattered.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful.
1: Now, you know, recently I have been very into Oregon energy. And I was listening to a podcast on, I I believe it's called Where the Road Ends, and I was listening to a gentleman named Peter Robbins. He's doing this great series on Wilhelm Reich and uh, UFOs lately. And uh, he mentioned you as one of the – yeah, he said that you actually got him into Oregon. So, I mean, for for some reason, to me, there's not enough conversations about Wilhelm Reich right now. So I would love to hear – any anecdotes about how you got into him at all?
3: Okay, well, well, I, I'm certain I didn't get Peter Robbins into Reich. I mean, he he <laughs> it's, it's me. Peter Robbins was actually uh, uh, was uh, actually knew Ellsworth Baker, who was one of uh, uh, Wilhelm Reich's most well-known students. The guy who wrote a book called Man in the Trap. Now, Peter's a great guy. I've met him many times. He's also he's he co-wrote a book on uh, uh, called Left at Eastgate. Uh, with Larry Warren, a famous uh, uh, UFO book. But you're right. There are not a lot of, enough conversations about Wilhelm Reich. There's recently, there was in the British press, there was a, a recent wave, apparently some museum or something just opened up that has the orgasm box, which is how they like to characterize the orgone box. <laughs> how they like to mischaracterize it. It's how, it's how they, they smeared Reich as a pornographer and a pervert. Uh, because of the technology he tried to develop in the in the 50s concerning orgone which you know is not a box you go in and get some kind of super orgasm that's not what orgone energy is about <clears throat> so but you're absolutely right more conversations need to be had the people that that get interested in in orgone uh, have kind of a new age bent to them and they don't really quite understand what it is there was for a while now, there was something called pyramid power where you put razor blades under pyramids and it sharpened them. And they said that it had something to do with orgone. Um, you know, there have been Ar- orgone charms and all kinds of mystifications of, of what Wright tried to do. But a lot of it's well, very well, –
1: Wilhelm was like anti-mystic. That's what I've learned by reading a lot of what his- – his books. Right. Yeah, he was – go on, please. Yeah,
3: he was a scientist and, and also towards the end of his life he took – the idea of, the, of an extraterrestrial presence on the Earth very seriously, and he used the science that he developed to try to uh, counteract uh, or, or attack that presence. The, he, the Oregon boxes developed into what he called cloudbuster guns, which were these huge cannon devices that he took out to uh, the desert regions in Tucson and aimed them at uh, UFOs. And tried to manipulate orgone energy, such because you know his 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 feeling was that the UFOs that were that he was experiencing were 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 detrimental to orgone development. That actually spewed out something he called D O R, deadly orgone radiation. So, and this is real controversial. Everything Reich ever did was controversial. Remember, he was a, a a protege of Sigmund Freud you know one of the original inner circles in psychoanalysis and the, and his his famous book character analysis is a required text for people uh studying to become a psychiatrist even today uh, that was long before the organ work but that even that was controversial because at that point he tried to wed Freudian ideas with Marxist ideas so then he came to America and he started working on this uh, this organ business uh and uh Uh, You know that was controversial enough, and then as that moved along, he then moved into UFO stuff. So everything had the the, the taint of uh, uh, one bigger controversy, (laughs) kind of intruding on the on the earlier ones in Reich's life. So it's a broad subject, you know. There's there's a lot of things to touch on, and one of the things that that I've been uh, uh, trying to emphasize. Uh, In my lectures, it's a connection between uh, Reich and the culture that he came out of and the Kennedy assassination, and uh, the the connection of the Kennedy assassination to UFOs and ufology. So there's some really strong links there.
1: Before we go that direction, I'd like to talk about Earth versus the flying saucers, though. You wrote an article… October 29th two thousand eleven, on silver screen saucers about what the yeah, cloudbuster. Well,
3: yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's. That, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is if uh, if you, you want to get a picture of what Reich was doing, you can see it in that movie. Uh, the uh, the in that movie they 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 load these cannon guns onto trucks and they use I think they're using sonar or or some kind of technology, but it's a, clearly an imitation of what Reich was doing in the desert. They're shooting, they're basically Oregon cannons, and they're shooting uh, radiation to these creatures and these flying saucers. That's exactly what, what what Reich was doing. Now, the interesting aspect of the Earth versus Flying Saucers movie is that when they get one of these alien creatures, and they finally remove its armor, underneath it is a Roswell Gray. And this... And this <laughs> And this dovetails back into what is real and what is hoaxed about the Roswell story, because there's a whole skeptic point of view that that, that Roswell was, you know, that something happened in in uh, in Roswell, New Mexico, in the late '40s, but that there wasn't much to it, and it lay dormant there until like 1980, when Stan Friedman and uh, uh, Jaime Shandera and all these people uh, brought it back and turned it into, you know, the legend of what. What happened at Roswell, and that it was all kind of the creation of those ufologists. Well, my the point I try to make in my lectures is that Reich's career contradicts that. That you can see the what's happening with the with with Roswell Greys as part of Reich's experience in 1955, not in 1947 when. Roswell happened not in 1980 when it was revived by ufologists, but right contemporaneous to when it was happening. Reich was doing stuff.
1: Well, I, I think it's cool because uh, the, I mean, <laughs> if there's a gray alien in the armor, I kind of see the relationship of the armor to Wilhelm Reich as as well. It's like the the whole idea of the armoring of the body against orgon and whatnot.
3: That's a, actually the the concept of character armor is. The, one of the main concepts in uh, uh, character analysis, Reich's famous work of psychoanalysis before *Orgon*, and in fact, so what's it fascinating, it's interesting. There's a, you remember the old TV show *Lost in Space*? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Danger episode, Will Robbins. There's an episode of that where they they actually start talking about character armoring, where June Lockhart and uh, Guy Madison, you know, uh, uh, the the two parents on the spaceship. They actually bring up the term character armoring, and in the same episode, one of the aliens brings out what's characterized as a rainmaking device. Basically, it's one of these Oregon cannons. So, you know, Reich's experience is encoded in the popular culture uh, throughout. You know, above above and beyond any of these controversies that get argued about in in at UFO conferences and amongst you know skeptics who don't believe any of this stuff.
1: Yeah uh, I we we love talking about the crossover between what's happening in reality and how it reflects in pop culture here. I and mean, so let's move over into uh let's go ahead and move right into JFK through that. There was a TV show on the air and the Dallas area. I remember you writing about this, but I can't remember what the route number it was like Route sixty six or Route sixty six.
3: Right, Route sixty six. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, Route 66 was a popular show in the early '60s on American television. Is kind of loosely based on Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy, you know, who were the great characters in On the Road, the great beatnik oh characters my, who, who drove across the country on the road. Famous book. Well, the the, the the show Route 66 is kind of based on those guys. It's uh, Martin Milner and George Maharis uh, are playing the Kerouac and Cassidy roles. Well, in 1962, an episode of this show, which is just about these two guys driving across the country in the car, they, they, this episode 1962 opens up at Love Field in Dallas where Kennedy flew in that day. One of the guys gets a job at the trademark, uh, which is where Kennedy was headed that day. And, and, and another point in the show, they talk to Earl Cabal, whose brother Charles Cabal was the guy who redirected the motorcade route that put Kennedy into the sniper's nest Instead of uh, uh, the, the street, he should have gone down and took a turn, and it basically, you know, rerouted the the, the the whole thing to create the assassination. This episode came out in 1962. All of these details of the Kennedy assassination were being uh, were broadcast on entertainment television a year before it happened.
2: <clears throat> wow. Okay, so a conspiracy theorist. Well. Let's say a materialist would want to take that and say that they had to know and this is somehow would it, predictive programming or whatever words they use. Another view would be that it's just a, a synchronicity. What kind of opinion do you have on the, that kind of...
3: <laughs> well, you know, you know there's a difference between a, a coincidence and a synchronicity, right? <clears throat> yes. A synchronicity is actually a series of coincidences. And and there's certainly that, I guess, in that Route sixty-six episodes, because there are three or four coincidences that match up with the assassination. But let's take another case. There was a program called The Lone Gunman. You remember that one? It was like an offshoot yeah. of the X-files? And yeah. in, in in the March preceding nine eleven, there was an episode of The Lone Gunman where a plane was being directed to crash into the World Trade Towers. And uh, it was stopped at the last minute by uh, something called the Octium chip, which was a thinly disguised version of the promise software, which was a very prom, which figured a uh, had a very prominent role in the story of Danny Caslavero and the Octopus. So this was the march before 9/11, the whole plot to crash a plane in the World Trade Towers again on television, just like the Kennedy assassination. It was on television uh, before it happened, and you, and you, and you see this time and again. That these 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 world events are predicted in entertainment television. Now, you know, <coughs> is it just a coincidence? the The idea of coincidence and synchronicity plays a large role in a lot of people's lives. Um, uh, particularly, a uh, person comes to mind is Kenneth Arnold, the guy who coined the term flying saucers. He used to carry around a card in his wallet that listed all of the Famous coincidences between the Kennedy assassination and the Lincoln assassination. You know, they knows one of little cue cards. Oh, yeah. He used to carry that. Yeah. He showed it to his daughter. In fact, his daughter, I think, brings it with her now to to lectures when she goes to. University. The one coincidence that he doesn't list on there though is the fact that he investigated Fred Crisman as part of the Maury Island UFO incident, and Fred Crisman was considered by Jim Garrison to be the grassy knolls shooter Kenneth Arnold didn't seem to know that although Kenneth Arnold was obsessed with coincidences in fact he thought there was a strong some kind of strong connection between flying saucer technology and the experience of coincidences. and yet he didn't even know that coincidence that that he was directly connected to uh, uh, the Kennedy assassination
1: so well, okay so if, if Chris was on the, that, that means that if Chrisman was on like the Grassy Knoll or something, right? Yeah, that's,
3: that that's, means- that's, that's what Jim Garrison thought. that, that, gi- that Jim Garrison thought that Fred Crisman was the Grassy Knoll shooter. This is not very well known because, among other things, when Garrison went on the Johnny Carson show, uh, he took pictures, the famous pictures of the three tramps in the rail yard, right? Who were supposed right. to be Howard Hunt, Frank Sturgis, and Fred Chrisman. And but so it was it
1: was Hunt call, and Chrisman together.
3: Yeah, but so before that. he can, Garrison's just about ready to name Chrisman, but before he can do it, Carson shuts him down. You know, he, he 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 pulls the photograph off, and they go to a commercial, and he doesn't give Garrison a chance to even mention Chrisman's name.
1: Well, Chrisman goes all the way back to Ray Palmer, though.
3: Chrisman was one of the original witnesses of something called the Shaver Mystery. Uh, Ray Palmer. Uh, here's another interesting pop culture thing. Ray Palmer is actually now a character in a current TV show. Uh he's uh, uh the Flash. No, he's
1: because he's the, he's the Adam or whatever,
3: right? He's the Adam, right? But that, the Adam from the comics is named after Ray Palmer from Amazing Stories who uh published all the original Shaver mystery stories. That's awesome. But that's when Chrisman first shows up. He writes letters to Ray Palmer, and he says that he ran into these creatures, the Deiros, who also look like Roswell grays, in these underground caverns. And he gets, says he, he was fighting them in Burma during the war, and he got shot in the arm with a uh, some kind of laser-like device. And this was before the laser was even invented. So, uh, so that's when we, that's when we first see Chrisman. Later on, Chrisman would claim that his life was made into a TV show called The Invaders. I don't know if you remember The Invaders or not. Oh, But crap. it was about this guy who knew about the alien conspiracy and was going around trying to convince people of it and, and, and never could. And, that's, and Crisman said that that was based on his life. Now, is there any historical reality to that? Well, what we have since found out is that one of the consultants to Quinn Martin Productions that used to do The Invaders show was a guy named Mark Felt, and this guy, Mark Felt, was also the guy who approved Chrisman's job application for a job at the Hanford nuclear, Rea- nuclear reactor in the Pacific Northwest. Mark Felt is now understood to be deep throat in Watergate, and so it's a very solid link between water- well, that goes
1: back to Hunt, that or Hunt
3: and Sturgis, right? Two Watergate burglars, Hunt, Sturgis, and Chrisman, the tramps in the rail yard.
1: Because so Hunt was Hunt was arrested at Watergate. He yeah, went down.
3: They, yeah, right. They were the burgl- They were the, the burglars at the Watergate Hotel. That's insane. Frank Sturgis and E. Howard Hunt, and, and here they are connected to Chrisman. Now you know Hunt's name, and you know Sturgis's name because people remember them from Watergate days. But still, very few people know <laughs> know that they're the connected to Chrisman. Well,
1: Hunt actually confessed, didn't he, on his deathbed to his son? That's right. 2008 right. or something he like: did, that? Yeah.
3: yeah.: he also he lost a, a lawsuit. Um, <laughs> there was a lawsuit that was brought uh, against Mark Lane uh, for uh, Lane made that accusation. The attorney: Yeah, the attorney. That Mark Lane's
1: the attorney who defended Oswald and the guy who
3: killed And in, well, in, and, in, and in this case, in this case, Hunt was unable to establish that he was somewhere else, not in Dallas. During that lawsuit, so I mean that's a that that was, it was a, uh, i guess an anti defamation case that that Hunt lost.
1: I like I like I like the relationship between Hunt and uh, Ian Fleming. So I mean maybe we could like segue over into what Bond has to do with the JFK.
3: Well, it's all it all has to do with spy lore. You know, I mean that's one way to the to. to to uh, attack the whole problem at all, it, 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 you can it, you can see it as I mean, anybody who, who goes into intelligence work, you know, has some uh, sense of the history of uh, that field, and and you know who the who the superstars were there, and um, uh, you know they they, they know Hunt and, and and Sturgis, you know, so then all these guys are now you know they they they, they lead covert lives. But once it's all over, then they become legends, you know, uh, in in the field.
2: But then back to the original question, is this – the narratives that we're seeing in popular culture, is that prophecy that's just coming through? Or (laughs) are these storylines that is being programmed by a larger – I mean, so there's many people that do think that there's a, a larger controlling body that's orchestrating what we would call reality.
3: Well, I had this conversation with, uh, with John Judge, uh, who, who was one of the great conspiracy researchers of all time, who, just, who died last April. Um, and his thought on it was that these agents actually work in television. I mean, part of the, the way that they're able to concoct and successfully pull off these kinds of plots is that they write them into television scripts, you know? At the time that they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're plotting to do these things. They're working out how, how it can be done and how it would work dramatically in fiction. So I mean, so there's nothing magical or mystical about that. You just have to, you know, buy the concept that the entertainment e- industry is overrun by the intelligence world, which is hard for me to believe.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, like in the case of Hunt and like Ian Fleming, they actually made pop culture. They wrote books
3: afterwards. That's right. Well, Hunt wrote a whole series of spy novels, um, all of them characterized as pretty bad. <laughs> but And actually, when you think about it, uh, some of these some of these plots, these assassination plots are are pretty corny.
1: Right. <laughs> <You can laughs> it's almost like JFK is a bad movie in a big way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um one thing about, about all of it, though, is that, I mean, to really understand what's going on, you don't want, you know, all of your sources to come to television, you know. Uh, uh, hopefully those are just gateways into, you know, for people who are studying this stuff and want to learn more. These are just gateways to, to the books and the scholarship and the criticism that is out there. But there is, you can see an evolution of the popular understanding about how these operations are carried off. Uh, and, I mean, at one time, you know having a conversation like this in a uh, a national television medium would, would wouldn 't have happened in you know say uh, the 70s you know all right yeah for for the longest time and it 's almost not even true anymore that there were two schools of thought the lone nut and 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 the, and the crazy conspiracy people. I think since nine eleven and since uh Osama bin Laden was killed, I think people understand more that when an event like that happens, it is the product of teamwork. Kennedy was killed by three teams of three assassins, three on the grassy knoll, uh, three in the book depository, and three at the Daltex building. We we have most of their names. Uh, just like 9-11 was carried off by three teams of terrorists. the Osama bin Laden's assassination was carried off by a, a, a team of SEALs, even though there's just one macho guy now going to take take credit because actually pulled the trigger. And people in the popular mind now, people accept that. They understand that that's the way it is, you know? The notion that uh, anything is done by a lone nut has become the crazy idea, you know? As this person who writes about the conspiracy theory, I can tell you it's true. Fewer and fewer people think that I'm, when I rant at them with what I've been doing with you now for however long, they don't really think I'm crazy anymore. The they, they crazy, they, what well, used to be normal in our present environment. Is, is is now crazy. You know, the idea that these are that these are single acts of lone assassins. You know, that they're not representative of a larger conspiracy or uh, or, or even a bigger uh, foreign policy. All that stuff is it's so much more accepted now.
2: We opened the show with a, a quote from the new documentary about Edward Snowden. Can you shed any light on that whole thing?
3: Well, my work in this area actually has to do with Danny Casolaro. And uh, one of the things I'm waiting for, for Snowden and Assange and everybody to catch up with is Dan- Casolaro's work. Because it's not really just that we're under constant surveillance. We've known this for a long time. It's... Uh, technology like the promise software that Castellero was looking into, where they take all that data, where they've you know, they've been we've been under surveillance constantly, they put all that data in a computer and then they extrapolate it. And not only know what you're doing all the time, they know what you're gonna do all the time. And uh the, the you know, the person you know, Danny Casolero was the guy who who really got to the heart of that you know and he, he was he was killed in the process
2: well for our listeners who may not know, could you just give a, a quick background on who Danny Casolaro is?
3: Danny Casolaro was an investigative reporter but but also a novelist, and uh, he was researching something called uh, uh, the inslaw case uh, which was connected to the promise software uh, inslaw was a was a group that helped to uh, develop promise uh, over the years it goes, it goes it went back to operation Phoenix in, in Vietnam it's a uh, it's a prognostication program uh, a, a predictor uh, and it was developed on Cavazon Indian tribal lands uh, by Michael recon who is the main informant to Danny Castellaro, whose father Marshall reconcido was a business partner to Fred Crisman Believe it or not, and uh, <laughs> there yeah, he is so again. It's all connected, right? Uh, so yeah, so Danny Casolaro was investigating and trying to ex- expose that. Uh, uh, you know, because this 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 goes into the October Surprise and the Iran Contra and the whole uh, foreign policy business of the '80s about how you know we would uh, 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 sell arms uh, to the to the uh, the con- to the Contras and uh, basically kind of work with, with the enemy for our own uh, foreign policy goals. And uh, uh, the promise software is a big part of that. And Danny Castellaro was writing to expose it, and he wound up mysteriously dead in a hotel room with slashes in his wrist that seemed to suggest, uh, you know, he had uh, 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 slashes in either arm to suggest the, 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 the tentacles of the octopus, you know, four in each arm. To, 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 indicate to him that it was the, uh, the, you know, to indicate to anybody who found his body that it was, uh, he was killed, basically. He was killed for investigating the software. So I co-wrote the book. What happened with him was that all of his notes and this entire narrative uh, were deposited at a university here, uh, and I was able to get it and uh, take everything that he wrote, uh, put that in the book, tell his story in the book, uh, Jim Keith, my old writing partner, wrote a whole hagiography, putting everything into a kind of a historical context, and that was his book, uh, The Octopus, uh, Secret Government and the Death of Danny Casalero, which, interestingly enough, um, somebody's making a movie of that story now, uh, although they're not citing the book. There's, a, there's been an, uh, a play called Danny Casalero Died for You, and... Uh, it's by a film production company that actually operates out of the Texas Theater uh, in Dallas, which is where Oswald was arrested. And uh, uh, despite the fact there's only been one book written about this, these these filmmakers are haven't been in contact yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is this is you know this is a product of the late '90s or the early '90s. I'm sorry, late '80s, early '90s. Uh, this advanced espionage software has been a topic of discussion uh, long before snowden and long before swan you know do you think they have
1: some kind of form of ai though i mean just i'm sure that that's, that idea has been around for a long time but with all of that some kind of ai that can track everybody then you're dealing with you know like pop cultures like the captain america 2 or that tv show what's it called person of interest where there's software that predicts what people kind of a minority report type yeah. of thing
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certain they have it. I'm certain they have that. I mean, that's what the promise of Now, Not only do they have it, but they've had it for decades. <laughs> they've, they've had it for had decades. It for so it's much time. more advanced now. Uh, so, like I said, I'm, I'm taken aback when, when someone like Snowden comes along and everybody thinks that these are, these are major revelations.
1: What about you the know? idea of Snowden being a plant, like some kind of uh, psyop?
3: That's what I'm thinking. That, that's exactly what I'm thinking. It seems to me to be misdirection because he's not telling us anything we don't already know, except, you know, there's a whole bunch of naive people out there that like to, you know, think that, oh, wow, you know, what a great – he's exposing great secrets. And so, so they watch that show while a real show is going on somewhere else.
1: <clears throat> well, see, I know it programmed people because I saw like what was on TV was what was going on and like, you know, by the water cooler. Per se. So it's like uh, everybody was repeating things like he's not really a whistleblower, and well, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, then who cares what they hear? It, it was really frustrating to watch how everybody just started repeating what the television said about Snowden.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a the thing about television, and this kind of gets into. Uh uh, the media uh, itself you know we, we we have this media now where if you want to look at the right-wing perspective supposedly you watch Fox channel right if you want the left-wing you watch MSNBC and if you want some kind of muddled middle you watch CNN but <laughs> but they all follow the same ideology they have only one goal and that is to turn people into consumers of the products that they advertise you know so I mean, this is the normal, everyday process of mind control. You know, it's not a, an arcane technology or a, or a targeted device that does it. It's, you know, it's their self-professed goal. Uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 the most important thing that Anderson Cooper says any night on CNN is be sure to set your DVR if you can't watch our, our show uh, right now and to watch it later. Everything is about selling. And what that means is directing money from your pocket into the pocket of the super wealthy people that, 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 you know, create this whole apparatus.
1: Yeah, I always think of George Carlin. It's a big fucking club and you ain't in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: exactly right. So then why was JFK murdered? Is that, can, it, does it boil down to something or is it a, a big, it's a larger thing? Same, same thing with 2001. Are there clear uh, answers in this world, or is it all... Always, or do you even operate that way?
3: Uh, 2001, you mean the movie? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: no, I think he was talking about September 11th. Uh, no,
3: um, well, I can, There, there are, there's, uh, there's particular answers and broad general answers. Kennedy was killed because his policies were de-escalating the war in Vietnam, and that was a threat to arms manufacturers, uh, specifically to, to Boeing. Which is who Chrisman was working for. Uh, so uh, uh, the the uh, kind of the the broad stroke answer that Chrisman shot Kennedy because he betrayed this contract that was supposed to go to uh, a Boeing. He instead gave it to General Dynamics. Uh, but it fit these larger foreign policy goals that the secret masters. Uh, to whom LBJ was beholden, and, and everybody else, uh, you know, they saw that Kennedy was uh, uh, was de-escalating in Vietnam. It was basically, he was, be, he was becoming more, much more of a, uh, 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 I, I wouldn't say a pacifist, but he was moving away from militarization. Now, you know, we know he was dropping acid, for instance, with Mary Pinchot Meyer uh, in the White House, uh, whose whose husband Cord Meyer was uh, another one of these. Uh, the super spooks that helped uh, found the World Federalists, uh, but yeah, so that's the that's the the short answer. Uh, I mean, I mean the specific answer is that Chrisman shot JFK uh, in the employ of Boeing. The large answer is that uh, the this economy, the American economy, uh, runs on uh, the uh, uh, development of the manufacture of arms. And you can't do that unless you have constant warfare. And that's that's why we've had constant warfare our entire lives. And anything that's a threat to that is taken out.
2: Ah. Uh, okay. So but what does that have to do with UFOs and Maury <laughs> Island then? Well Chrisman worked for Boeing.
3: <sighs> Chrisman worked for Boeing, uh uh the
2: um and so the UFOs, what we know as UFOs, that's
1: because Chrisman cool. was one of the first people to start the whole UFO, like, hysteria.
3: Right. The Moy was Island, obviously,
1: yeah. he's <laughs> working for the Greys, man!
3: <laughs> the Moy Island incident is the first modern UFO incident. It actually happened before Kenneth Arnold, you know. I mean, it's generally... The Mount Rainier. The Mount Rainier flying saucers, the, the the Moy Island case happened, like, three or four days before that. And, uh... And, and Christmas is about. So, what UFOs are about, whether you believe in aliens or not, they're about advanced secret technology. Uh, so that's arms manufacturer. That's military industrial complex. That's the heart of the heart and soul of uh, what the power structure is all about.
1: Well, okay. So, so, so let's that, talk so about Howard Hughes. <laughs>
3: Okay, we
1: we are wrapping up, but I can't I can't I can't the temptation (laughs) is there.
3: Yeah, the part of the problem with it, I mean, the Howard Hughes thing brings in the whole gemstone theory. And uh, really, that's another program. Okay,
1: well, why don't we just talk about why don't we just end it talking about Diamonds Are Forever and what that has to do with the movie. The Diamonds Are Forever James Bond has to do with Kennedy, perhaps. Well, or Howard Hughes.
3: Yeah, well, that movie is is based on the gemstone file, uh, which is um, another uh, a Sami's dot document that kind of outlines uh, the connections of uh, Howard Hughes' connections to uh, military concerns, uh, like we were just talking about. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to know where to begin on this. But, uh, the, the, the book that I did on it is called Inside the Gemstone File. And there's a, whole, there's a great deal of lore connected to the gemstone file. It was a, originally surfaced by a woman named Stephanie Caruana. And uh, it's a behind-the-scenes account of Howard Hughes. Uh, a, a lot of it winds up in that movie. Um, so, uh, but this isn't a case where the movie came first or anything like that.
1: Yeah, it was definitely inspired by like the kidnapping of Howard Hughes. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Even though the the guy said that he was influenced by a dream or something like that, it just doesn't make any sense. But I always think about the the alien technology, and then the, that being fault over all all surrounding this gemstone or whatever.
3: Right. Right. Well, it, it, like I said, it's a, it's a very it's uh. It's it's a program in and of itself. If you like to get if if you want to do another program just on gemstone, uh, <laughs> take, take a little time out to do it. But it's
1: uh, uh, Well, we would like that. We'd like that a lot. So, yeah. is there anything? I mean, there's been a lot of changes in uh, steam shovel press. So, why don't you tell us what you've got going on and uh, and anything else that you would like to, to leave the listeners with.
3: Okay. Well, I'm working on a new issue of Steam Shovel Press right now. Uh, the deadline for writing for it is November 15th. And, uh, you know, probably a month or so after that, well, it'll, be, it'll be the first issue in, in a number of years. I actually semi-retired uh, from from doing anything with Steam Shovel a couple of years ago. And uh, I've only now been able to catch my stride and get back into it. Uh, if anybody's interested in this stuff... Um, uh, they can contact me at k23thomas at yahoo.com. And uh, I can, uh, I, 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 right now, I don't have all of the details about what it would take to order the new issue once it's together, but uh, uh, that's the current project.
1: And um, what can we expect coming out of that?
3: Uh, well, a lot of the, uh, anybody who's been following Steam Show, a lot of the, uh, uh, the writers who are still alive, you know, many have passed away. Uh, but uh, many of the old writers are still in there, uh, plus some people that haven't written for me before, but on familiar topics like, uh, for instance, uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Uh, there's an article on, on him in there. Also, there will be, uh, we'll be excerpting uh, Adam Gowrightly's book on Kerry Thornley, who is one of the uh, second Oswalds. Oswald Doubles, another famous character in the parapolitical yeah.
1: – well, Kerry Wendell Thornley is the guy who wrote the Principia Discordia. I think I'm saying it wrong, but the Principia. That would make yeah, pr- the Principia.
3: Principia. Yes, yes. But he also
1: so, wrote about Oswald before he was like the first book ever written about Oswald, which was before he killed Kennedy.
3: Yeah, another one of those great coincidences. Yeah, a book called The Idle Warriors. Kerry Thornley was a Marine buddy of of Oswald, and Oswald was was like this character, and it's true, like a guy who had you know who had the like a type A personality, so Carrie wrote about him and this and you know and that book came out you know the same year that that episode of Route sixty six came out
2: <laughs> what
3: yeah. so um, yeah, so we have Carrie Thornley in there um, and uh we have acharya s who will be contributing she uh, wrote a book called the Christ Conspiracy, which she uh, you know puts forth the thesis that uh, Jesus Christ is not historically real. There's a conglomeration of uh, older uh, solar deities. Uh, Rob Serling is going to be on there. He was a well-known guy for doing something called the Conformist with a K. And he's going to be talking, uh, he's going to be writing about the conspiracy behind the Tea Party politics. Uh, we're gonna. The, uh, Greg Bishop, who used to do a zine called The Excluded Middle, is writing something on the current state of ufology. And what else? I've done a uh, number of book reviews, including one on Operation Mind Control, a book uh, by a guy named Walter Bauert that's just been reprinted by Andy Colvin's Press. Plus uh, a, a, a review of the latest offerings by feral House, which is one of my publishers. Uh, One of the the more uh one of the uh, more interesting uh one of the few i should say any more uh presses out there that does things that kind of out of the ordinary
2: well that sounds great
3: yeah well i'm looking forward to it like i said i took i took some time i i never really fully retired what i did you know i've been lecturing for years now and uh in this kind of work you, you have to go out and you got to beat the bushes and find places to lecture you got to connect up with the ufo conferences and the conspiracy conferences and every other kind of subculture that you can connect with that's a lot of work so when i semi-retired what i said was I'm, i just wasn't really going to do that anymore uh, uh but i'm not turning down any work that so if anybody approaches me to do a lecture uh I'll, you know i'll be happy to give it some consideration and the same thing with the writing. It's just, you know, as you get older, it's not that you get more uh, tired. It's just that you get more busy. <laughs> <laughs> too many things to get to to be able to produce a, a little zine. Steam Show comes out of a time, you know, before uh, social media, uh, you know, when zines were a thing, you know. There were, there were, there were literally hundreds of zines. Out there. there used to be a zine called Fact Sheet 5 that did nothing but reviews of zines. It It was the size of a phone book. Now there's virtually nothing. Everything has gravitated toward the web, and uh, I've been, you know, trying to get used to that new technology and and figuring out this new issue of Steam Shovel will be one of those per order things. You know, where if you 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 just you find it on Amazon and you order a copy and they make you one and they send it to you. In the old days, you know, you had to print thousands of copies and you had to bring them to the distributor and you had to keep track of what they were selling and what didn't sell and that kind of thing don't have to do any of that anymore.
2: Well, that was 42 Minutes. Thank you for sharing it with us. Okay.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: You bet. You've been listening to Ken Thomas on 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. You can find information about his work at steamshovelpress.com. More information about The Sync Book, our guests. To check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at 42minutes.com. If you like the podcast, please support it by becoming a donor. You'll find the donation links under each episode on the website and consider setting up a monthly charge. Thanks so much, and I want to splinter the CIA in a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds.
0: Come your masters of war. Here yeah, that build the big guns. Here yeah, that build the death planes. Here yeah, that build all the bombs. Here yeah, that hide behind walls. Here yeah, that had behind discs. But I see through your eyes And I see through your brain Like I see through the water That runs down my drain You fasten all the triggers For the others to fire And then you set back and whoa Afraid to bring children Into the world Before threatening my baby Unborn and unnamed You ain't worth the blood That runs in your veins How much do I know? To talk at a turn. You might say that I'm young. You might say I'm unlearned. But there's the one thing I know. I'm younger than you. That even Jesus would never forgive what you do. Let me ask you one question. Is your money that good? Will it buy you forgiveness? Do you think that it could? I think you will find when your death takes its toll. All the money you made won't ever buy back your soul, and I hope that you die. And your death will come soon. I follow your casket by the pale afternoon. I watch while you're low. Down to your deathbed And I stand over your grave And I'm sure that you did